What is a Jamocha shake? You've been in that scenario before where where it's date night or it's a big exam or it's after partying with your friends and y'all get hungry. You jump in the car, you rolling in the car and now you got to determine where you're going to go eat. The debate starts. I got a taste for this. I got a taste for that. I don't really want that. Well, okay. And before you know it, you end up at Arby's. Yep. <laughs> Maybe it's not Arby's. Maybe it's another restaurant. Maybe it's um, uh, Jolly Pumpkin. I don't know. You pick the place. But sometimes when you are with a group of people and you try and determine where you're going to eat, there's some give and take and you all arrive still together. Family, today we are celebrating women in ministry. We are discussing the church's biblical approach to seeing women thrive in Christ and in the local body. And I will say that I have been blessed, been honored to have this discussion with some people who've been journeying together. We've had some women that have given us their voices and we've had the elder team of men and together we've journeyed. And I will say we haven't all agreed at all times. Though the sisters gave us their kind of final thoughts and then the elders kind of made a final decision, uh, not all the elders agree on every aspect of the position paper. But we are in unity that this is where our church should be going. And so we pray that you will be encouraged by what I share today and that you will be uh, blessed by the work that these women and men have contributed uh, over some time, at least over the past year. But even prior to that, uh, the conversations that came from many of you. So where do we start? We start at the beginning. We start at Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis chapter one. And today is a little different than most of my sermons. Most will be like in one passage because I really want you to own and be close to that passage. But today I'm going to actually give you a, a breath of scriptures to help you understand our position of celebrating women in ministry. We're starting in Genesis chapter one. God makes all things and he makes everything and from the sky to the mountains, from the moon to the stars, elephants to eggplants. He makes it all. And on a seven day journey on the sixth day, he creates humanity. And if you were to look at chapters one and two, chapter one is kind of the the big picture. And then chapter two zeroes in on some some details. So in chapter one, verses 26 and 28, 26 to 28, the Lord says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish, over the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. 
And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the birds of the of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's cool that we get two plurals happening here. We get God in his sovereignty speaking to himself. Let us make man in our image. There's something about God that humanity gets a chance to reflect. I believe it is one of uh, the, the primary principle is that of love. Is that of a, a loving God? And we see a loving relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. We, we get this beautiful example of what it looks like to, to have some distinctions, but still fully celebrating one another. There's, there's, there's been attempts to try to explain the Trinity. And, and my mind still doesn't have the perfect synopsis. Some people would say it's, it's like God is the creator. Imagine a, a person that comes up with, a, with, with, with an entire system. Let's say the, the bus system. Okay, God is the creator. And then he uses Jesus as the fuel, the, the, the network, all system services created. Jesus is that kind of agent by which everything happens. And then the Holy Spirit is each car, each bus, each rapid, each transit actually Allowing you to experience it there. There every example falls short, y'all. Because how do you describe the uniqueness fully of each aspect of the Godhead with human terms that communicate a heavenly relationship? We can't what we can fully say, though. Is that nobody is less than you don't see Jesus as less than the father or less than the Holy Spirit. For God is fully expressed in each aspect of the Trinity. But you do see distinctions. And I love that we get to bear this image. There's a few things that we get to bear. We get to bear God being spirit. And so someday this, this old body it's going to wear away and we get to fully dance in the presence of God. Spiritual. But there's also a sense of God's sovereign hand and control of all things. He made everything, created everything, set it in motion, has authority and sovereignty over everything. And then he looks at his creation. He looks at you. He looks at me. He looks at mankind and says. I want you to. Subdue it. I want you to have dominion over what I've created. See, family, we get to experience the the Trinity modeled for us and then we get to bear its image. We get to have a likeness. We get to. See its beauty, recognize its distinctions. And then realize there are some distinctions between man and woman. I mean, even in these first couple chapters, some simple stuff. Physically different. There's going to be the 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 fruitfulness that takes place. And there's some things that women have for fruitfulness that men don't. 
differences. This Adam in chapter two, as we dive, get a little bit more into the details. This Adam in verse seven is taken from the dust. And Eve is taken from him. Different, distinct, not less than, not beneath. Distinct differences. But there is a term that's unique and it's unique to Eve and Eve alone in this scenario. Look with me in chapter two, verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Helper fit for him. Before all this COVID stuff, my wife and I um, wanted our girls to learn how to uh, care for and serve others. And so um, our, our daughters at time would go and be um, um, babysitting helpers at times to mom. I can't remember exactly the term my wife used to use, um, but it would it would kind of be that uh, they would go as uh, babysitting help. And though the moms could do it all themselves and are juggling everything anyway, sometimes it was cool just to have a little person play with your child, you know, and give you a little bit of break so you could focus on something. The context of 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 helper, though, in the in the English way that we use it and in the modern way that we use it. You always see the help as less than. I was actually trying to think of of a time where the helper was deemed on par with the person they were helping or even stronger than. And, and it's and it's rare that we see a helper in this way. But I love the way the scriptures describes helper. One that we need to see permeate through our modern day usage of the term. I I wanted to make sure that I captured it. So I actually have it here for you. A theologian named Linda Belleville. She writes this. She says all other occurrences of Ezer, which is the term for helper in the Old Testament, have to do with the assistance that one of strength offers to one in need. Bold that underline that keep that that one of strength offers to one in need. There is no exception. More 15 of the 19 references speak of the help that God alone can provide. I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Help given to the one in need fits Genesis 2, 18 through 20 quite well. The male's situation was that of being alone and God's evaluation was that it was not good. The woman was hence created to relieve the man's aloneness through strong partnership. Helper. A term of strength, a term of partnership, of a, a, a reference of, of strength. If, if you could change your understanding of what it means to, to help and take on a godly understanding, you realize that we are lining up with character of God. With, with women emulating godliness 
godly strength. Let me, let me grab a few verses of, 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 of help or used in the Bible. Exodus 18, 4. And the name of the other Eliezer, for he said, uh, uh, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Deuteronomy 33, 7. And this he said of Judah, hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah and bring him to his people with your hands contend for him and be a help against his adversaries. Psalms 20, verse two. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. So this is. Not simply contextualized in what I am to a man. This is what I am to God and to God. I get to bear his image. By reflecting his strength. I also don't want, though, us to think that that the only way strength is modeled is in the context of marriage, though Adam and Eve help us see the environment by which uh, uh, the helper is defined. This is not the only expression of what being a helper is. This interdependence as demonstrated in the first husband and wife does not mean that marriage is the only or even most important relationship through which an individual can express their image bearing capacity. In fact, the single woman or man is often capable of greater devotion to God than their married counterparts. Wendy Alsup notes the essence of our creation is that man and woman are made in God's image And the not good of one gender isn't solved singularly by marriage. Although human marriage between man and woman doesn't persevere into eternity, relationship does. Relationship and community, brotherhood and sisterhood, not marriage, are the good of two genders from Genesis 2.18 that endures into future eternity. God uses you, uses your strength the moment he grabs your heart, not the moment you get married. And walking in that strength, mimicking the image of God is something that we pray is embraced at Mac and expressed here at Mac. And so can you jump with me into some expressions of strength in the Bible? Can you jump with me to to see some of the ways in which we see this this strength lived out? If you are a person that likes the 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 awards shows that take place, the essence awards, if you got the the essence awards of faith, you're going to have this list of people in Hebrews 11. And one of the people that you have there is Sarah. Hebrews eleven eleven says, by faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised it. 
She's in the, in the, in the hall of fame of faith, in the, the awards of faith. Why? Because she is a model of what it looks like to be faithful. And let's make sure we don't demean the value of, of home, of family, of children, of whatever your family composition might look like. Let's make sure we don't demean that by even though we lift up women, we don't have to demean the role of being homemaker. Or of 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 seeing faith played out in the home. It's a noble and virtuous environment for expressing godliness. But the home is not the only environment by where godliness through women's strength is demonstrated. So then you jump to 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 Exodus chapter one. And you'll see in those early stages of the Bible, a, a story of a man who is who is bent on destruction. We see Pharaoh who wants to harm the people of God and this. Child, he wants to find. <laughs> I shouldn't say find. He wants to eliminate. And there's two women. Two women who believe that 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 God is to be feared. And so counter to culture, even at the expense of them receiving personal harm for being caught. They save the lives of children and rebel against or uh, deceive the Pharaoh. This is Shipra and Pua. We get a, an example of what it looks like to dwell within culture, but because of your faith, not succumb to the culture and choose to do the God. Godly thing. Strength. We get another sister. And 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 I and the analogy I came up with, I was scared because if I just went right into it, y'all might share it on Facebook or something. And then folks be making a, a, a rumor about it. But it's but it's almost as if this is not had this has not happened. But imagine if imagine if T.D. Jakes was in was in Vegas. And he just went to Vegas on a on a random conference. But as he's coming out of his hotel, there's a, a march of, of white supremacist nationalists. And there's a sister who runs, sees the march coming, takes him and throws him in her car, saves him, looks out for him. I got you. No T.D. Jakes here. Keep on marching past. Yep. Horrible example, right? <laughs> but but family, that's that that craziness. It's, it's so far fetched, right? That's the type of that's the type of of scenario Rahab enters into. But but Rahab was one of the sisters that might have been the late night worker. I mean, Rahab is the last person you think is going to be the one that models godly courage. And godly ethics. To stand up for what's right, even at the potential of your own demise. She said in verse 11. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted 
and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord, for the Lord, your God. He is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. So you might you might right now be like, well, pastors like randomly snagging some rent. No, 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 no. This is a theme of God's strength being used in women in the Bible. There are so many more that I could could list. I'll, I'll just quickly jump to our sister, Deborah, Deborah, who who, um, um, you know, you had that family member that like always is got got drama going on. Like every time they get a new job, they lose the job and you just like get they get the new job and you like, OK, let's see how long this lasts. OK, what's the excuse this time, bro? Like like that's the story of the people of Israel. When you enter the book of Judges, like every time God gives them a solid leader to help them get on the narrow, to help them get back on track. When the leader dies, they go back into craziness. And Deborah comes on the scene. Deborah comes on the scene. And she does two things. She's she's seen as a voice of wisdom and listened to as the mother of Israel. Judges chapter five, verse seven. But then she leads the people. She cares for the people. She helps Get the people to march down against the mighty, verse 13. See, her her inclusion as a judge, sometime people have said that the only time you see sisters step up is when men don't. It's just not a, it's just not a, there's just not a biblical basis for that, though. There's there's not this sense that that God was searching, couldn't find a man and said, oh, I'll take this woman. No. These are acts of strength. These are acts of of courage. These are 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 God using. His people who are created to image him and mimic him and bear his image, and that takes place in women. And in men. And here we see a theme of God using women in a mighty, mighty way. And so I start with making sure you understand, Mac Church. God uses your strength, sisters. That you are created to to bear God's image. You're not less than any man. Nor does the Trinity model you being less than any man. And we have examples after examples. And the word is what we look to for all things. And so the word gives us beautiful examples. Not that we have to look for under rocks, but are right there in front of us. And I humbly want to say. Because these examples have not always been lifted up here. Because the strength of women and the voice of women has not always been lifted up here. I humbly want to say, please forgive me. As your pastor and as a leader of this church, 
I humbly ask for the forgiveness of women who at times may have felt like their leadership abilities were not desired or the influence of their voice was not wanted or that there were more constraints or more limitations on them than what was godly. And I want to humbly ask, or I ask that, Lord, give me humility. I want to ask for forgiveness of that. But I, I, I do think we need to continue to see God's amazing expression of this beautiful design that he has. This use of women within the body. But also understand the body as a whole. Because even though there is no less than, women are not less than, there, is, there are distinctions, though. There are differences. And I, I, I want to kind of paint a picture so you understand a, a history journey. One that, that starts in, in the people of God leaving Egypt and God instituted a priesthood by which he was going to select a particular tribe to handle the ministerial aspects of community life. That tribe was called the Levites. They were responsible for leading God's people into worship and they were entrusted with the Ten Commandments, which later on became the books of the law. God selected this group of Levites, this group of men. And over time, other books were added to the Torah and eventually became the whole Old Testament. But when Jesus starts his ministry, so you have a group of men selected to lead worship, Old Testament. But Jesus starts his ministry and he also chooses 12 men to be the disciples out of a much larger group of people following him, out of a much larger group of disciples, which included both men and women. These men, as well as Paul, were commissioned by Jesus after the resurrection. Excuse me. These men, men, as well as Paul, Paul got added on, commissioned by Christ after the resurrection, uh, and they became known as the apostles. The apostles either directly sponsored or wrote down themselves the material which we now know as the New Testament. These words were entrusted to the elders in the New Testament and ever-expanding church. These words were the instructions. These words were the truth. These words, these men were given the responsibility to guard and make sure they were protected. They were charged to guard doctrine closely. That not just anybody could come up here and start teaching whatever they want to about Jesus. No, there is some clarity as to what a Christian believes. There is an authority. So while we have examples of women serving in every other role in Scripture, okay, we do not see female priests. We do not see female disciples or apostles And we don't have examples of female elders in the early church. One common thread between these positions is that they represented the highest level of spiritual authority of God's people in their respective times. 
and were the ones entrusted to guard and protect the written word of God. While it might be tempting to write off this connection as a byproduct of patriarchal culture and therefore a pattern that no longer needs to be followed, there are several things that I want to give short pause to. All right. The first. Turn with me to Timothy. First Timothy, chapter two. We're going to look at verses. 12 and 13. And then have your finger ready to slide over to first Timothy chapter three. And pastor, you usually have a bunch of illustrations, a bunch of examples like like today, primarily as I'm trying to communicate the position and, and how we hope to see women thrive and celebrate at Macav. Primarily, I'm letting scripture interpret scripture, scripture, illustrate scripture. We want to let you hear the breath of God's word as we believe God's going to allow women to continue to flourish in a greater capacity at Macav. First Timothy chapter two, verses 12 and three. Here's the saying. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she rather she is to remain quiet for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Well, hold on, pastor. This this seems to contradict everything you were just teaching. Because we we know that this term can't be saying women never teach. Because we just gave a bunch of examples of 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 women teaching. And, and, And if you look in the New Testament. In the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, women received the outpouring of the spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter two. They remained a vital and visible force within the church as it grew, serving key roles as prophets. You look in Acts 21 uh, and first Corinthians 11, five. It served as missionaries in Romans 16, seven. They were patrons and deacons in Romans 16, two. I mean, six. Yeah, 16, two and host of house churches. Colossians 4, 15. In various cities where the gospel took root during Paul's missionary journey, women at all levels of the social ladder were often the first to believe and went on to evangelize to others. Look in Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 17. Priscilla, along with her husband, Aquila, met Paul in Corinth and joined him in his ministry. Together, the couple took aside the rising preacher, Apollos, and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Acts chapter 18, verse 26. So we know the voice of women has been powerfully used in the early church, even in the roles of speaking. And so. Pastor, then 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 what is this verse saying? Then then what is it speaking to? Simply trying to trying to get our our focus, not simply on what might set us off quickest, which me first thing I see is the issue of speaking. But actually, the main issue is the previous issue I discussed with you, which is that of authority. He says, 
I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority. The teaching is actually in this structure set up to be connected to authority. The teaching is the expression of authority. But not all teaching is authoritative. And specifically, this verse is rooted in what we're going to talk about next, which is in creation and also rooted in the next chapter, which is the description of the elders. You see, the authority that's being spoken of is not an authority of just to be able to talk. We've got too many examples of God's strength working through women talking. No, it's in the role of guarding doctrine. It's in the role of being an elder. It's in the role of determining the scriptural understanding for the body of Christ. And so we do see these words bring us towards this, this crossroad. And, and Tim Keller said uh, he talks with men and women pastors that range the gamut. And one thing is clear that no matter where you stand, it's clear here that women are being limited from doing something that can't be ignored or negated. And so now you have to wrestle with, and what are they being limited from doing? And, and we also believe that then from verse 12, you connect with verse 13, that this just isn't a context set for this moment in this scenario, because Paul reaches back and goes all the way back to, Genesis and references Adam and Eve. Not representing Eve as if she's less than she's her voice is invaluable. No. No, we don't believe that at all. But that there is a distinction, there is a difference, there is a connection to this position of authority that Paul sees is set for for men. And so we then could continue on looking into what follows of chapter three, which are the descriptions of what it means to be an elder. And we see those descriptions being spoken of as connected to Godly men that desire to serve in that way. And so we get all of our examples. Our examples for lifting up and celebrating women. We get from the Bible, from the text, from the scriptures. And we get this design. We get this understanding of living out a gospel truth and a gospel strength and mimicking the image of who God is, but also understanding some of the parameters and expectations by which God has, has communicated. So this, this, this pastor seems like you speaking two different things. Help me, help me understand this. Help me wrap my mind around this. Help me get why, why would God limit women in this way? It can't be because they have limited gifts. 
we see women flourishing throughout the gospel. It can't be because they are weaker and the, the very term helper means weaker. No, no, because we know that that's that's not true. It can't be because male have greater faithfulness or or stronger character. No, because we get ex- uh, example after example in the scriptures to today of men and their failures. Nor is it the result of women not having enough faith to be leaders. The simplest answer, though perhaps unsatisfying to our curiosity, is that such designations are a part of God's sovereign choice. Meaning as our creator, God gets to decide how best we serve and image bear him and has laid out unique ways, different ways, distinct ways for each of us to do that. He has also uniquely prepared us for this journey of faith. This theme, this theme started in the creation story with Eve, created as the perfect and equal fit in Adam's lackings. But, but, but a strength was coming to help your shortcomings, coming to help where there was a shortage. And so we're different by design, y'all. It's also seen in Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 6, uh, verses 21 through chapter 6 and 9. You'll see a a common household roles are reinterpreted in light of mutual submission. And again, in the description of the body of Christ with different parts serving equally. But necessarily distinct roles. The body, our body of Christ, our giftings are different. But we 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 still unite to represent the whole and the beautiful bride of Christ. The choice of persons created equally by God to voluntarily submit to one another according to his design is an integral part of how we tell God's otherworldly story to those around us. And so. How do we come to understand what this would look like in Mac? Because we can look and see God using women throughout history. If you start saying, well, when did God start using women? Then you start at Eve. And you can go to today where we have um, Rebecca and Kristen and Jenny being influential people within our church body. And then you've got women all along history from Gladys Elward to Corey Ten Boom to Sojourner Truth to Harriet Tubman. So many amazing women used for God's glory and their leadership abilities, their giftings, their strength, their influence on display for the world to see. That's how it is, it is a, a beautiful reminder. A reminder that, that, that God takes situations and reminds us, us of his use of his godly people. I mean, you remember Peter denies Jesus. And the people that are drawing closer to him to Christ at the time of him on the cross, isn't Peter the one that was supposed to be bowed and strong. It is the women. And as the disciples are, are, are sitting 
sad, struggling with his death. It is the women that come proclaiming the resurrection. We get to see God's beautiful tapestry working together and gifts on display within women and within men. And so, family, what will that look like at Macav? What's the new framework going to look like? Well, let me tell you a few things. There's going to be all roles except that of elder will be open to women. We may have tried to see people thrive in certain roles in the past. We want to just make sure that it's clear that all roles within MACAV except that of elder, except that one of, of guarding doctrinal authority will be celebrated for women to thrive in. And, and one of those roles will be preaching and teaching within the Sunday service. Now we recognize that, that uh, the, the, the things I've been sharing thus far don't line up perfectly in either camp. As an egalitarian, you might say, man, I want more. And as a complementarian, you might say they've gone too far. And we we recognize that. But we're trying to be as faithful as we can to what we believe the text reveals. And so we believe that women being able to preach uh, is not an issue of authority at Mac. For we have had visitors come in and preach. We've had uh, members that are relatively new come up and preach. Uh, But the role of elder is the authoritative voice at Mac. And so we want to equip, teach, and see women and men thriving in being able to preach God's word. And so I will be putting together a preaching and teaching team. And I hope that you... Yes, you will consider joining. It's going to be a time of training, a time of equipping. And does that mean you have to preach a sermon right afterwards? No. But it does mean you'll have the tools so that you can communicate God's word in a way that helps people understand it. And we'd love to have your voice be present within Mac preaching. Sometimes when you speak generally, It falls towards the ears of men. I want to make sure women, you hear me asking you to be a part of this. We also want to make sure that the voice of women uh, and their and, and sisters still influence every aspect of Mac. And so we are having uh, uh, committees form that help to make sure that all future things that we do Sisters are a part of it. We want to make sure that that even as the elders are men, that we're also listening and hearing from the wisdom of our sisters. And so we're hoping to put together a committee of women that would serve as a leadership council. And we want them to be present within elder meetings on a quarterly basis. Our goal is to see the strength of women and the voice of women cared for and reflected well here at Mac. 
This committee has not been fully planned out yet because even what it's going to look like, we would like the input of sisters. And so we will be pursuing you and asking for your help. And then we also are going to have we currently have deacons and deaconess and want to make sure that sisters have representation within that within that body of leaders within our church. And, and we do at this time, but we just want to make sure that it's clear that, that we want women represented within our deacon and deaconess team. Your patience with us in, over this two-year period is beyond what we could have imagined. We are so grateful for the way that you you supported us and believed in us. And I know that there will still be more questions and more uh, new thoughts, new feelings. One I can imagine is, is, well, pastor, you're talking about church. What does this mean for the world? Well, well, we don't believe that this spans out into the world. Can a woman be a manager over a man? Yes. Can a woman have authority over a man in a job out in the world? Yes. Well, what does this mean, Pastor, for 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 marriage? What 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 would that look like? Should wives submit to their husbands? Should what what does that look like? Well, we do believe if you look in at in Ephesians chapter five, verses twenty. Uh, starting with verse 21 and then go to 23. It seems to indicate that there is a particular kind or an extra measure of submission that wives extend to their husbands. Meanwhile, husbands are to extend a particular kind or extra measure of sacrificial love and care for their wives. When lived out, these distinctions give the world a glimpse into the mysterious relationship between Jesus Christ and the early church. It should be noted, though, what the passage does not talk about. All right. The passage does not provide specifics on how exactly we are called to live this out. There's no command against or for uh, men being the primary breadwinners or women being stay at home moms. We do believe that love and respect, submission and headship are immutable biblical principles. We also believe these principles can have different expressions based on the unique cultural and personal preferences and natural giftings of the specific couple. So what's headship look like and submission look like in your home? I want to ask you. I want to ask you what that looks like, because there is not a one size fits all. For the Christian church and the Christian family. But there is a one side fits all. For unity. There is a one side fits all for our oneness. And so we we want to make sure whenever we have whenever we go through stuff like this and we're trying to. Talk through topics that connect to the heart. We want to make sure we have space to discuss it. So we're going to have a couple of things happening soon. After service this afternoon, you're going to receive an email 
that has a lot more than what I said in greater detail that communicates this position. I've tried to keep 60% of what I said directly coming from the document. So my hope is that you will be, uh, it'll be, you'll be provided greater clarity by reading the document that we're going to be emailing out. And so we pray that it blesses you and equips you and provides more clarity. Uh, clarity as to our love for you, specifically sisters, our love for you and our desire to see you flourish and for your strengths to be on display at Mac Ave. We're also, though, going to have a time of talking. Y'all know after we discuss something like this, we want to go there as family and make sure that we have space. And so if you would like to talk to us individually, please reach out to this elder team. But we're also going to have a Mac life take place. And I don't know what date was that? February 9th. Uh, so in lieu of our small groups, our fellowship groups meeting that day, we're going to have a Mac life. And we would love for you to be present uh, and love for you to be praying for that time. We welcome dialogue and we want to continue kicking it. But family, one of the things that really blessed me when we started this journey was I read the foreword on, on, the, on one of the primary books we used. I think it's called Two Views. And the foreword said that before preparing the book, the four contributors to the book that talked about this role and celebration of women in ministry, the four different people who have four different perspectives on it got together for lunch. And they could celebrate each other. They could champion each other. They knew that that each person had a a a Christian bent that that each person believed that it was important for us to be born again, to recognize the 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 beauty, a new life that God offers us when we repent from sin, that it's important to get the message of Jesus out to a dying world. That each person had a high regard for the gospel and for the Bible. And that each person believed that this isn't it. That the brokenness we see doesn't win. That someday Jesus will return and will make all things new. You see, they believe that there's a unity that takes place even though approaching this topic, which each person dearly believes and holds and clings to Christ about, but sees it from a different lens. They believe that this topic would not break their unity. And though there has been painful things the church has done in the past, and there are continued expressions of women being seen as subordinate. I'm grateful for models that are showing that that doesn't have to be the case. And that within a Christian environment, different perspectives can take place, but a championing and a celebration of one another can still be on full display. And so I'm asking you, Macav. To join me in unity on a topic that we might not all agree on. 
but that we still can demonstrate to a broken world that Christ reigns. If you're a person that has been listening to this message and you're saying, I get the rhythm that you're asking your people to be a part of, Pastor, but who is this Christ that makes it all happen? He is Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of a community. Jesus that was connected to a people and died for a people. And so we invite you into a community. A community of people that believe Jesus is our only way to experience love. That the love of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we get to experience that because Jesus died on our behalf when we were sinners. He looked at us and said, you're worth my sacrifice. And so we live now not out of bondage and obligation to what he sacrificed, but out of gratefulness and out of joy that we have now been freed. And we invite you to experience that freedom. By accepting Jesus into your heart. If you want to pray that prayer today, you can simply repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you are God. I have been a sinner. And I want your forgiveness. Please forgive me for not living. The way you would desire. Fill me, Holy Spirit. So I may walk. And live in a way that's pleasing. In God's sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And if you, hey, if you prayed that prayer, hallelujah. I am thankful and grateful that you are with us. And we want to know you more. And afterwards, there's a Zoom call that I'll be on where I'd love to talk to you about what next steps look like in Christ. But if you are also a, a, a person that's saying, well, man, I'm already walking with Jesus. But pastor, you just presented the position of the church and and I still got some things to wrestle with. I, I want to ask that you you do a few things for me. First, write down your first impulses. I I believe that that our first responses can help us. We we should not ignore the feelings that we have, no matter what the emotions might be. But don't act on them right away. Don't send that email off right away. Don't 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 snap at someone right away. Just take some time to think. Let me write down what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. Then also, I want to ask you to be in prayer. And I'd ask you to humbly. You can use just my sermon if you like. But I also would ask that you would take the words that were not prepared by me, much of which I shared today, but I didn't write out all the words. We had a a great team that refined it, and one of our elders took the lead on it, and I'm extremely grateful for him. But we want to ask that you read it. Feel free to read it because it might answer some of your questions in greater detail because, you know, I've gone seven hours and I still got a ton that I wish I could share in greater detail. We try to do that in the document. And so please take time to read it when you have time. And we would love for you to reach out to us and talk and or 
be present at the Mac life that we're going to have, church family. Sisters, we are thankful for you. We're grateful for you making Mac Ave what it is today. And we're excited to see what we're going to be as your giftings are on display for our church body and the world to see. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful. We're thankful, Lord, that we get a chance to have your word speak to us. But our prayer is that our the words today would not simply give us information, but give us understanding of how to live for you appropriately. And that our words today would provide some healing. Healing to maybe pass hurts or healing to pass limitations. And we pray, Lord. That the design that we see, Lord, would not be one that we see as as that of limitations, but Lord, as a way in which we thrive and we all operate under your authority, Jesus. It is in your humble, it is in your beautiful name, your majestic name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, thank you. I, uh, I appreciate your prayers and uh, I'm grateful for you all. We have had a, a year, a year, but I believe that God is having us focusing on loving him and loving one another for a reason this upcoming year. And I pray that last Sunday's Vision Sunday will also be, be, be overwhelmingly expressed through how we talk about celebrating women in ministry. So I'm excited to see us love one another. Amen.